and welcome to Horror Culture Shiver, the show that discusses all the masterpieces and trash the pieces of genre cinema. I'm Gary. And I'm Chris. And we are here with, and I know, brace yourselves, you're not going to believe it, another original versus remake with two good films. We're being far too kind to ourselves. Yeah, yeah. You know, the the uh, idea is that good remakes are hard to find and well. we've managed to find them. Not everyone will agree with us, uh, but it's a different story. Uh, yeah, I can't say uh, that everyone shares the same opinion about this one. Whether that's because of the quality of the film or not is a different story. Um, but we will get to that eventually. But yes, we are discussing Child's Play this month. Yes, it's about time. Yes. As you know, we did discuss Bride of Chucky um, in February for Valentine's. And yeah, so taking things back to where it all started and to where it was all rebooted. Not that it's going to go any further, though. No, seemingly not, which is a, sh- a shame. It is. It, it is. is. Um, but, you know, I might as well tell you now... Um, the direction it is going in, yes, is a very, gr- yeah, a very a very great. It's hard to be as much as I enjoy the remake. It's hard to be mad about that considering, um, the TV series, the TV series. is genuinely the best thing to come from this franchise, and a very exciting direction. Um, but let's get into uh, the poll results. Okay, technically. <laughs> So it's ninety six percent for the original, four percent for the remake. I have no problem telling you that one that four percent was actually yours truly. It was me. I was having a day where I was like, you know, I can't decide because I often go between the two. I like them both as much as each other. But I thought, oh, do you know what? Just in case it doesn't get a lot of love, I'll go for the remake. Um, yeah, okay. If I didn't, it would have been, and let's just say I don't count. Uh, then it's 100% for the original and no votes for the remake. That is <laughs> fucking bizarre. It's not, the thing is, it's difficult when you, you know, pit two films against each other. Me, personally, I would say they both are about on par. Yeah. You know, they both have their great... Um, attributes, you know, they both have some things that aren't so great. But for me, in a vote, and I didn't vote, actually. I didn't know I could. Um, (laughs) I would vote for the original because it's original. Yeah. So it's great that the remake has taken something and made it new, but it's not far removed enough from the original for the original not to win because yeah. it created it. Yeah, of course. You know, of course. Um, so I'm not su- I'm not surprised by that, really, um, because I would agree that the original is better. Spoiler alert for the end of the um, <laughs> for the end of the episode. Well, we haven't we haven't done the because uh, one thing uh, about our original versus remake episodes. We make our notes and then we record. We don't actually discuss what's going to come out on top. Um, it's all about tallying it up whilst we're doing the episode. So who knows? 
This is all on the fly, you know, we yeah. don't, you know, we just sit here chatting shit. We are professionals, as you, anyone who listens regularly knows. Um, yeah, getting into the socials, uh, we haven't done a lot this month, uh, but most of what we have got is around this episode. Uh, so Cameron from Killer Flicks said, uh, I know I'll be slaughtered for this, but I prefer 2019. Where was your vote? Where was your vote? <laughs> Something about the original never resonated with me. I can't say the same. I have a history um, with the original. It's always been a favourite of mine. Um, Scarra666 uh, said, definitely prefer the original over the Al Crapo remake. <laughs> very, very rude. Al Crapo. Um, I was doing that. Sean Freeman1107 on Instagram said, original no contest. And uh, on Twitter, Jiggy's Horror Corner, uh, in regards to Hellraiser 3 and 4, said, uh, they definitely agree with our take on those two uh, I know some people out there prefer the fourth to the third but I've always felt as bad as portions of the third were uh, the film was overall more enjoyable uh, yes yeah it's yeah they're both pretty crappy though yeah they are <laughs> um, also one random thing on the socials this month is our video we uploaded of Linda Blair um, saying you're gonna die or whatever she says in Savage Streets Got like over 5,000 views or something like that. Not an exact number, don't quote me on it. But it got a lot of views. Like it's one of our shit. most popular posts. Absolutely. <laughs> so go on Linda Blair, you get yours. Uh, yeah, so if you have any more to say about Child's Play or anything else at all, uh, then get in touch on social media. We're Horror Court Trash over on Facebook and Instagram. And Horror Court Trash on Twitter. So, getting into the films. Starting with Child's Play 1988. Directed by previous director of the podcast, well not of the podcast, but star of the production. Oh, uh, Tom Holland, who directed Fright Night, of course, uh, The Temp, Finner, Fatal Beauty, etc., etc. Made on a budget of $9 million, and it made $44.1 million worldwide. Nice. Tidy little sum. That's great. I mean, especially with it coming to the end of the 80s as well, where you'd seen a million slasher films by that point. Uh, it's nice to know that one still did really well. Uh, one thing I find with Child's Play is it's a very accessible slasher. And, uh, you know, you, you say Chucky to anybody, anyone knows immediately who you're talking about. Um, you know, pop culture icon. Um, yeah, we talk a lot about gateway horror uh, yeah. on the podcast. And uh, by no means is it family friendly. Um, but it did. It was the one that people tended to watch when they weren't old enough. Yes. To to watch horror films. Um, I believe it's like a fifteen now. I think right? it is now. Yeah. Obviously what shocks me? Back in what the day. The fucking remake is a fifteen. How on earth? Is that rate of 15? Because I think the comedy's played up a lot in the remake. Like, a guy gets sliced down the middle. A guy yeah. gets scalped. Like, <laughs> fucking serious. Um, but yeah, no, um, for me, the original was... I mean, my history of it was... It was amongst some of the first horror films I'd seen. Um, but of course, you know, growing up in our era, one of the first things you hear in regards to Chucky is, is Brider Chucky. You know, that was the big popular one. Yeah. I didn't even know the original was called Child's Play until I started looking more into films, you know, because... it was called Chucky. Well, you, you, I had no idea what it was called. I mean, I don't even know if I knew 
Bride of Chucky was a sequel. I didn't know much about it. All I knew was what everyone would talk about at school. Everyone would talk about it. It was mm. the big deal was Chucky, and that design of him from that film is how you knew. It's how you know what Chucky looks like. Um, so yeah, it, it was quite a surprise when I when I first watched the original, and, and I loved it. And you know, I've seen it countless times since. And you know, by all means, it isn't a five star film. I think it's close. It's not a five star film, but it is a horror classic. It is, yeah, no, of course it is. It's um, a cultural touchstone, I think, um, is the phrase that oh, I yeah. may have just made up on the spot. Highly influential. Yeah, it it is. And it's... Um, I think because of the character of Chucky, it stood the test of time. Yeah. Um, in terms of horror, Chucky is a very marketable um serial killer I yeah that's true um it's very marketable you know you are going to get now you know funkos and neckers and um all this that and the other mugs and shit um because it's a very marketable image um and the the idea of a, a killer doll is so sort of far removed from, you know, normal life mm. that it's it, it it plays into fantasy and it, it's sort of, like I said, a gateway horror because yeah. it's the horror that the kids will watch and they'll be a bit scared, but they know it's not real. Yeah. You know, kids aren't sitting down watching fucking Cannibal Holocaust. <laughs> you know, that's not a gateway horror. <laughs> but Chucky is. Because it's so silly and it's a comedy and yeah, you know Chucky's got such a lovable face and he's it's a doll for fuck's sake. Yeah. That's why Freddy Krueger really took off and Freddy Krueger became popular with like younger kids. Yeah, yeah. Because it's so in the fantasy realm. Yeah. That you can play up the comedy elements and and make a marketable character for. Loads of people, you know? Yeah, absolutely. When did you first watch this film? I can't remember. Was it, with you? it wasn't with you. I swear I'd seen it before I'd met you. Yeah. Yeah, I must have. I think randomly on TV one time. Cool. Yeah, I think so. Oh, sorry, it's a really boring story. <laughs> I I really got a great history of it. I just I just remember this is the one that people will talk about. Yeah. Because this is probably the one that, that their mum and dad... Yeah. Let them watch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's like, uh, it's like it in, in many ways. Mm. I mean, you know, two completely different films. Um, but, you know, a lead villain that's easy to latch on to. Mm. Uh, with kids at the centre of the story as well, I yeah. think definitely adds towards it. And is, isn't completely unwatchable for a younger audience. No. No, no. So getting into the trivia, Chucky's full name, Charles Lee Ray, is derived from the names of notorious serial killers Charles Manson, Lee Harvey Oswald, and James Earl Ray. Ah, uh, okay. Makes sense. I think Lee Har- Harvey Oswald was, he was talking about a serial killer, but okay. I get, I get, I get the reference. Famous murderers. Uh, the first draft of the script was completed in the summer of 1985 and referenced Chucky as Buddy. He came to life after mixing blood with Andy and killed those against Andy, uh, for example, the babysitter and teacher, 
manifesting Andy's loneliness and isolation from an overworked mother and absent father. In addition to being a more psychologically driven horror film, Buddy also only came alive at night when Andy was asleep. Very similar to what the remake. Yeah, I um, just I I thought, oh god, Gary, no, you fucked up. No, 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 that's. But yeah, I, I mean that's pretty much the remake. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. The original plot idea was to have lifelike good guy dolls uh, that had blood and latex skin. If the kids tore the latex skin, they could go out and buy official good guy bandages. In a Blood Brother pact, Andy cut his own hand and mixed his blood with Chucky's first cousin to come alive and become human. Uh, I think that's the same script where they also were going to have Chucky grow stubble. Um, oh, lovely. Oh, wow. like, uh, like Charles Lee Ray when he was human. The original work and title film was Batteries Not Included, but uh, before it became known, Steven Spielberg was also making a film with the same title. It was then changed to Bloody Buddy before settling on Child's Play. Okay, let's make something very clear. Bloody Buddy is a shit <laughs> name. That is awful. That is awful. Um, and also Batteries Not Included, um, considering a, a, a fairly big plot point. I know, yeah. <laughs> him not having batteries well, that's the thing. in him. Watch this for the first time. You know, if you don't know anything, if by some miraculous chance you don't know anything about Chucky or anything at all, you could think that's Andy going around killing people. I... You don't. You, you don't actually see. They dress up the exact same. They're about the same height. <laughs> I mean, that would have worked. Yeah, I would have watched that. Um, I watched this as well. I mean, spoiler. Yeah. I think it's come up in a trivia. I swear that was actually one of the original script ideas as well. Um, the film used various ways to portray Chucky, including RC animatronics and little people or child actors. Uh, various animatronics and cosmetics were used for every scene throughout the movie. Chucky's cosmetics transition from looking toy-like to a more human look. The film created multiple Chucky animatronics such as uh, Flailing Tantrum Chucky, a Walking Chucky and a Stationary Chucky. The animatronic's face was controlled by a remote control for a rig uh, that goes on one's face and captures facial movements. Yeah, the behind-the-scenes footage of any of these films is fucking wild. Like, there's so many people operating Chucky and it's great but it looks so good. It, do you know what, for 1988, a film as old as I am, yeah. <laughs> um, the special effects have really held up. Yeah. I mean, sometimes it's obvious when it's an actor in there, yes. which I actually think is incredibly creepy. It is. Um, but the animatronics, particularly at the end of the film, and we'll get onto it, but really hold up yeah. really well. Yeah, definitely. In the scene where Chucky runs behind Maggie in the hallway, Chucky was actually played by Alex Vincent's younger sister. Oh, wow. <laughs> the Chucky films have always been accused of inspiring violence in children. One case linked to the series was a gang in Manchester kidnapping and murdering a 16-year-old girl. Why they tortured her, and they forced her to listen to recordings of the gang leader repeating the catchphrase, I'm Chucky, want to play. Director Tom Holland has always defended the first film from these accusations, stating that the viewers of horror films could only be influenced by their content if they were in balance to begin with. Yeah. 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 I, I genuinely... I mean, I don't think horror films make people go out and kill. I think they could play part of an influence. If, like Tom Holland said, you know, if there's something there to begin with, if, if, you know, if you're going to kill someone, you've always had it in you. You know, it's, it's, it's there. 
it's for me it's an interesting plot point in the remake yes yeah that idea i mean it's a tale as old as time um we've mentioned it a few times yeah we mentioned it on brother chucky episode exactly exactly um i i don't believe that watching um horror films particularly child's play which is you know quite tame really it's more of a comedy yeah i don't think it um makes people go out and kill no but if it's already there then yeah no i just repeated exactly what you said (laughs) but really struggled to say it so um yeah well done during the initial release a crowd of protesters formed around the entrance to mgm calling for the film to be banned they claimed it would incite violence in children local news reporters are broadcasting live from the scene and producer David Kirshner was watching, disturbed by what he had saw. Jeffrey Hilton, who had worked with Kirshner at MGM, said he could defuse the situation in 10 minutes. Hilton went down and spoke to the ringleader, and then the group disbanded, um, to the disappointment of newscasters. Uh, Hilton never specified whether it was threats or diplomacy that saved the day. People have so much time on their hands. They have, they have far too much time on their hands. (laughs) Also, if they think this film is going to incite children to kill, don't let your children <laughs> watch the film. I mean, this is 1988. Yeah. You know, this is VHS. You would have to have purchased it and brought it into your home yeah. for them to watch it. If it's in cinema, it's R-rated. You have to go with your kids. Exactly. If you're so angry about a film... The you know you you ain't gonna be buying it anyway, no. so just let it be and mind your business. Yeah, yeah. No, it it's so many podcast films where the trivia is oh people are protesting. Oh come on, get a fucking life! Like seriously, what are you doing? What are you doing with your time? You've got that much time on your hands to go and stand outside MGM and protest about a film that your kids are probably never gonna watch. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> In a September 2008 interview, Don Mancini and David Kirshner spoke of a remake rather than a sequel because the fans were eager to see a scary Chucky again uh, and not a comical one like the last two in the series. At that point, would have been Bride and Seed. Uh, if the remake were to be made, Brad Dourif would have originally returned as the voice of Chucky because Mancini believed no one else would fit the part. In a later interview, Mancini described the script as darker and scarier than the original film with twists and turns that didn't stray too far from the original concept. This remake idea was, of course, later evolved into the 2019 Child's Play, without uh, Dorif or Mancini involved with the film. Yeah, I just... I don't... And I mean, obviously, Seed... No, not Seed. What's the ones that came after? Bride and Seed. No, oh, oh Curse that. and Call. Yeah. Curse and Call. Yeah. They took a darker yes. look at it, but still not pitch black, you know? I just don't think the story of a small ginger doll going around killing people lends itself to scares. No, I mean, Curse of Chucky is definitely... Arguably the scariest in the franchise, and they, you know, he managed to really nail that tone in that film. 
um, then of course went comedic again with with Court Chucky. Um, but yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, this never started out as a film that was, you know, terrifying. It's intense. Like, there's a lot of intense scenes, but at its heart, it's a horror comedy. Yeah, really. It, it's such a weird image that it's hard not to find the comedy in it. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I just think... With with which one's the way is it curse 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 with curse it's probably the darkest of the films, but I also think it's a film that could have been made with a different killer. Mm. It's not yeah. quintessential Chucky, or it's not really a film about well it's a film about a killer doll, really. But it could have been, you know, another kind of killer. Mm. Do you understand what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah. Like and Annabelle. Again, I, I, I don't, I can't hundred percent find Annabelle scary, because really, essentially, it, it's a, a doll. Well, Annabelle doesn't do anything. You know, Annabelle has a spirit attached to her, so she's not like getting up, walking around, and no. stabbing people. Well, she's just sat there serving yucks, yeah. essentially. <laughs> Oh my god, do you remember when Annabelle first came out and everyone was like, oh, it's Chucky's girlfriend, I'll fuck off you basics. Jesus Christ. I don't remember that. No, just me. I don't remember caring too much about Annabelle. <laughs> I still don't, if I'm being honest. Uh, after his release, Child's Play was disowned by the studio, MGM United Artists, because of qualms with the film's subject matter. And Universal brought the rights for all the sequels and made all the money after. Um... MGM, really? <laughs> oh, hence why all the merchandise is Child's Play 2. Uh, yes. Oh, yeah, that yeah. makes sense. Uh-huh. And hence why so much of the Halloween um, f- merchandise is Halloween 6. <laughs> Michael Myers. Yeah. Uh, I mean, come on. MGM, really? Like, seriously? Because of the film subject matter, what? A killer fucking doll. You had no problem releasing Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2. But, you know, a film that claims to be based on a real story. <laughs> but you have a problem with the subject matter of a film about a killer doll. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously? It's, it's a difficult one. I suppose if you get enough backlash, you try and appease the masses. Mm. You know, and if you think financial you know it's not financially viable because at the end of the day movies are a business and you know it was at the time a country that elected ronald reagan Mm. twice with some of the biggest you know percentages in american history um it's also a country that voted for donald trump in 2016 um, maybe because we don't listen to those voices, yeah, it doesn't mean those voices aren't there. Yeah. Um, I think, I think maybe they played into this backlash, and maybe the backlash to us, um, seems smaller than it actually was. Yeah, but I mean, it still made forty four point something million. So. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, that's true. I don't know, it's a, it's a difficult one. It It is difficult. And I, I don't want to sort of stereotype people, but there's definitely a type yeah. of person that complains about these kind of films. Um, and 
you know, the at the time and now probably have the loudest voices. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they're usually homophobes, racists, true. bigots, um, what we would probably call a Karen now. <laughs> to, to reiterate. It's ironic because the mum's called Karen in both films. <laughs> to reiterate, um, something we said on the Bride of Chucky episode, uh, Dan Mancini is in his own right a gay icon. He created all this. Yeah. Which yes. is always, always nice to remember. Queer history of uh, child's play. Uh, Don Mancini explained that Chucky draws heavily uh, from the My Buddy dolls. Have you ever seen a My Buddy doll? No. Like, as in the real, uh, like actual ones you can like buy. Like a Teddy Ruxpin, but real. But yeah, yeah. Uh, real. You know, you know what I mean, like um, human. Yeah. In my original script, he was originally called Buddy and we couldn't use it because of the My Buddy doll. The director went out and got a My Buddy doll, a Raggedy Ann, a Raggedy Andy, and one of those life-sized baby infants. When I told Kevin Yeager, the designer... Um, oh, yeah, by the way, Kevin Yeager, uh, designer of Chucky, director of Power is a Bloodline. <laughs> yeah. Um, that was Alan Smithy. Oh, wow, yeah. When I, uh, what I told Kevin Yeager was uh, I wanted something similar to a My Buddy doll. I described Buddy in my original script, now Chucky. Uh, as wearing red buttoned overalls, red sneakers, stri- uh, striped sweater, red hair, blue eyes, freckles. Kevin went off and sketched many designs of Chucky until the final design was picked. Jaeger then built the first off on those sketches and his details. Nice. Good work. Uh, despite his reputation as uh, a hater of all things horror, Roger Ebert gave a positive review to this film. There we go. Gateway horror. <laughs> Originally, the studio billed Chris Sarandon as the top star over Catherine Hicks. That's disgusting. Uh, but Sarandon requested that Hicks be top billed since he felt she carried it. Nice. Very classy. Don Mancini... You know Chris Sarandon in another Tom Holland film? Yes. Fright Night. Fright Night. Speaking of gay icons. Oh, yeah, I guess. Jerry Dandridge. Yeah. Uh, Don Mancini and John Lafier were bur- uh, buried. <laughs> they weren't buried, oh, just no. to clear that up. Were barred from the set after threatening to sue Tom Holland over a writing credit dispute. Ooh. Oh. I have no further tea on that, unfortunately. But that is uh, interesting. John Lithgow, Gary Oldman and Andrew Devolf uh, were rumoured to be considered to play Charles Lee Ray and voice Chucky. Um, John Lithgow would work. John Lithgow would work. I mean, Gary Oldman would work. I suppose, yeah. Really. But, I mean, as much as I like Mark Hamill in the remake, Brad Dourif's just iconic in this role. Yeah. Uh, composer Joe Renzetti and singer-songwriter Simon Stokes recorded an end credits theme song about Chucky the Doll that wasn't used in the final finished film because the executives thought it made Chucky seem less scary. I would have loved to have heard that. But stuff like that is creepy. Yeah. You know, that sort of... Um, well, some nursery rhymes and shit like that are mm. really quite dark yeah. when you think about them. Um, so, yeah. Catherine Hicks won a Saturn Award for this film. Gone girl. Well done. Maggie's death scene originally had her being electrocuted whilst ta- uh, taking a bath, just like Jennifer Tilly and Bride of Chucky. Ah. Uh, according to Don Mancini, the original idea for Chucky was that he was not possessed by the soul of a cold-blooded serial killer, but was part of Andy's rage. Um, yeah, I don't know why I've got that bit of trivia twice, but now you know. 
we've heard it again. It's definitely, it must be true. He said it twice. Um, body count six. Fairly low. It is fairly low. Fairly low. And there's not that many more in the remake. Um, they're just more memorable in the remake of Kills. Apart from that first one, of course, in the original, which is iconic. Um, remake has the supermarket scene. That's true. That's true. So that body count will be much higher. You'd think so. You'd think so. Oh. This brings us to Child's Play 2019, directed by Lars Kleffberg, who only made one of a film called Polaroid. It's still time. It's only three there years is. ago. A budget of $10 million. What, this is so weird. So, the original uh, was made on a budget of $9 million, of course, and it made $44.1 million worldwide. This was made for $10 million, just $1 uh, million more. Made forty four point nine million worldwide. Oh. How weird is that? Sure, it's not a typo. No, hundred percent. Wow, sounds decent. Yeah. I, do you know what? In fairness, there's a lot of cinema that I love, and obviously, and and I look into, and I read up on, and box office. I don't massively understand to a certain degree because we've had films on the podcast. Where we said, oh, that was a nice little profit. Yeah. I mean, if it was in our pockets, it'd be fabulous. And then it said, box office bomb. And I'm like, oh. Yeah. Like, which one? I don't really get. I I understand that um, budget doesn't, as far as I know, doesn't include marketing. So some films, a lot of money spent on marketing. And I think the Child's Play remake was marketed... A fair bit. Oh, it really. was, yeah. yeah. Um, but if there's mention of a sequel, then it must have made... That must have been a decent profit. Yeah. You know, even for inflation. Oh. Yeah, definitely. It's, I... it's also the part of um, cinema that I don't find massively interesting. No. I do understand that cinema is a business, um, but it's it's not the kind of side that I do look too much into no. because that's when you get your Harvey Weinsteins again there's a trivia Don Mancini uh, is not involved in this film and, ha- and has along with Alex Vincent Christine Elise and Jennifer Tilly expressed lack of interest in it and they all decided to do the TV series instead yeah this the thing with all this is I mean it's like we literally were just saying it, it is a business at the end of the day yeah. and you know Don Mancini wanted to go one way with it. And I don't believe Curse and Call had theatrical releases. I think they were straight no, to Blu-ray. I think so. Um, but straight to Blu-ray from Universal. So it was still quite a big deal. Obviously, you know, the studio wanted to get it back in the cinemas. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's a weird one. It's a weird one that really divided... Actually, I don't think it divided fans. I think the majority of fans were, were all on Don Mancini's side um, with this. means they completely scrapped his timeline. And, yeah, I mean, the thing is, I think I'd have been more annoyed if he didn't get the TV series and if the TV series wasn't as good as it is. But, you know, he's definitely came out on top of this. I think, yeah, to, to a certain degree. I, I, I think it's a, a shame, really, that um, they, they've sort of butted heads over the whole thing. Yeah. Um, I mean, like, I'm assuming Dom Mancini didn't get any money from the remake then. 
I assume he would have for writing credits. Yeah, and I'm assuming he must have gotten some sort yeah. of money. It's like, why, you know, why can't the two just coexist? Uh, yeah, exactly. I mean, I found the remake entertaining, and I found the TV series very entertaining. Yeah. Um, why can't I just have both and enjoy that? Yeah. You know? Yeah, it is a strange one, and it's a shame they use the same character names in this, because I'd have liked to have seen crossovers between this and the TV series. I think it could have worked really well. Um, yeah, writing credits based on Child's Play by Don Mancini. Yeah, so, so he must have gotten some yeah. money for it, really. Yeah. I'm assuming, again, the money side of it. Even though, even though I work with money for my day job. <laughs> my day job is... I'm not going to paid for this, though. Um, but... <laughs> It's the part that doesn't interest me too much. It's a, it's a shame because then you get into these sort of spats and stuff when uh, really the, the two could coexist. Yeah. And it's just more entertainment for us. Yeah. Tom Holland, uh, director of the original, posted on Twitter about Mark Hamill's casting as a smart move. And it was a smart move. Oh, my Mark God. Mark Hamill is such a good voice actor. Well, let's be honest here. When we heard about the remake, mm. we were a little tentative about it like we are with most remakes yeah particularly the film that we both really enjoyed mm-hmm. um and so we were a little like oh you know um hopefully it'll be good but who knows and it was like oh mark hamill is doing the, the voice yeah. oh okay there yeah. we are yeah i mean that's you know that gives it credibility yeah they announced mark hamill and aubrey plaza like near enough back to back and it's like oh my god yeah, yeah okay this is gonna be great because i mean mark hamill you know, everyone knows him from Star Wars, but everyone also knows him as a fantastic uh, voiceover? Yeah, what? voice actor. Voice actor. Yeah. Voiceover. What the fuck? <laughs> well, same thing. Yeah, but um, as a fantastic voice actor. Yeah. He's renowned for it. So that really gave it some credibility. The director has said that uh, the early draft, an early draft of the script was set at Christmas as the original Child's Play was going to be. Uh, and it was changed in the final script, but he thought it would be funny to retain the scene in which Shane is ambushed whilst taking down the Christmas lights. Uh, yeah, I mean, a Chucky Christmas film? That would work very yeah. much. That would really, really work. Because obviously it's based around toys. Yeah. When do people get toys? Yeah, exactly. You know, it, it, it just kind of swapped Christmas to birthday. Yeah. Really. It, at the centre of both films is a gift being given. Yeah. Jensen Ackles, previous star of the podcast from My Bloody Valentine, was considered to voice Chucky. What a weird choice. That That is such a strange choice. That probably would not have worked. Oh. I don't know if he's done any um, voice acting. But, yeah, that is a, that's strange. Strange, but I'm sure there's a reason behind it. Yeah. At one point, um, there was a plan... For the Chucky dolls to have digital monitors built into their eyes, the little monitors would be programmed with animation and would have been able to look left, look right, change colours and dilate. However, as they would have uh, would have to be puppeteered on set, the monitor eyes would have uh, added another puppeteer and potentially more shooting time to an already short schedule. So they decided to animate Chucky's eyes digitally. Uh, it's like the only... There's some CGI in this, but... I think there's more practical effects than CGI. Um, yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, if if it is, it's pretty seamless. Yeah. I, di- I didn't really... None of it really seemed clunky or no. cheap, so... Uh, Liv Tyler was originally going to play Karen. That would have worked. Yeah. And body count of eight, but it does say, uh, plus the uh, Chucky doll, uh, Barkley cat, uh, Mickey Rooney. No, hang on. No, that's that's not right. Eight. There's going to be more than eight. I thought I had a note here to say plus everyone in the supermarket, but... Yeah. No, apparently it was just eight. Oh, there we go. So, getting into the films. Yes, let's start with Child's Play 1988. And I will discuss that now. Yeah, we're all waiting. (laughs) Is it warm in here? Uh, Detective Mike Norris chases fugitive serial killer Charles Lee Ray through the streets of Chicago and into a toy store. Oh, hi, Mike. After being shot by (laughs) Norris... Okay. After being shot by Norris, a dying Ray performs a voodoo chant to transfer his soul to one of the good guy brand talking dolls on display. The store is struck by lightning and explodes, and Norris finds Ray's lifeless body in the rubble next to the doll. Um, yeah... Voodoo chant is something about being someone's rose. You are my rose. You are. Um, something about anything for uh, my girl. Yes. As uh, Gary alluded to, Brad Dourif is the spitting image of Tommy Wiseau. Yes. <laughs> That's Charles Lee Ray. <laughs> There's no denying it. They've both got that. They've got a similar fucking face as well. Yeah. I mean, it's also the black hair, the long black uh-huh. hair as well. Um, Child's Play, the title card appears as we first see the good guy dolls in the yeah. store. I thought that was a really nice touch. Uh-huh. Um, and I kind of, I was intrigued by the fact that it, it plays out like the end of a cop action thriller. It does, yeah. Rather than the beginning of a horror film. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought that was something a little different. Yeah. Um, we then meet widow Karen Barkley, whose six-year-old son Andy desperately wants a good guy doll for his birthday, but she cannot afford one. Um, yeah, we're introduced to good guy. Good guy has his own show. His own cereal, and he's wearing a good guy outfit. Practically turbo man. Yes, yeah, very, very <laughs> turbo man. Uh, it's usually the other way around though. Like in the eighties, with something like Transformers mm. or He Man, the cartoon was made to sell the toys, but it seems like the toy is to match the cartoon. Yeah. Um, uh, in this sense. And he's a fucking nightmare, especially in this scene. Um, I know a lot of people find him adorable, but how the fuck you find him adorable after the state he leaves this kitchen? I literally... Oh, my God. Andy fucks up breakfast for Karen, even though it's his birthday, and the bitch got... And the bitch got him some <laughs> shitty new clothes and put him in a large box instead. It's so funny. Like, oh my god, he's so desperate for a good guy's doll. Like, she knows he's desperate for a good guy doll. So she literally buys a box the exact same size as a good guy doll box and fucking puts clothes in it. Like, the box... It, it is the exact same size. It's exactly the same size. It's like some Amazon bullshit there Wait. where... Your package is like a fifth of the side of the uh, size of the box. Wait, didn't even in. have fucking good guys wrapping paper on it as well. Like she's really taking a piss here. It's like, yeah. look, this is exactly what you want. Not really. Yeah. 
And then she's there, like, measuring them next to him. Oh, no, yeah. Poor bastard. I mean, he did just make an f- absolute fuck. Yeah, he absolutely deserved it. Um, he burns the toast. Um, he pours milk everywhere. And I know he's meant to be six years old. But six-year-olds should know that the milk should stay in the fucking bowl. Um, he gets the biggest lump of butter. Yeah. I thought it was fucking ice cream. Um, and just chucks it on. He makes a right fucking tits up of it. Um, so he deserved clothes for his birthday. <laughs> uh, soon after, uh, Karen learns that a homeless man outside of her workplace has gotten a hold of a good guy doll and is trying to sell it. Uh, she buys it and then gives it to Andy. So Karen works in a department store on the jewellery counter and uh, I've described her boss as a snooty prick. And uh, he won't give her the evening off, even though it's her son's birthday, Mm -hmm. because he's a a twat, and because it helps the plot. (laughs) (laughs) So the good guy doll appears normal at first and refers to itself as Chucky. That night, Karen's friend Maggie watches over Andy while Karen works the late shift she can't get away from. So Maggie is played by Dinah Manoff. Yeah. Now, she had a fairly minor role in Greece, mm-hmm. um, but she was also a frequent guest star on The Golden Girls she was. as Carol Weston. Um, if I remember correctly, she was the neurotic one. Mm-hmm. Um, so she had a recurring role on the Golden Girls spin-off, Empty Nest, and then ever so often would make appearances in the Golden Girls episodes, so... I mean, just by that measure, she's a legend. Um, confusingly, she seems to cook a meal. She, like, tastes something, doesn't she? She's yeah. cooking and she tastes it. Oh, that's delicious. Andy, that's time for bed. <laughs> um, so, I don't know what she's cooking herself, but she, Andy ain't having any of it, even though it's his birthday. <laughs> so, after Andy's bedtime, Maggie finds Chucky sitting in front of a television tuned to a late-night newscast about Charles Lee Ray's death. She is then attacked by Chucky, being hit in the head with a hammer and falling out the window to her death. Now, what I didn't realise is that the hammer is a toy hammer from a Chucky playset that um, Karen got Andy for his birthday. Mm-hmm. So he didn't get him Chucky, but it's this tool <coughs> set. Um, so it must have been quite heavy to smack her and she falls out the window. She probably goes flying. Yeah. This That's was a kid's toy. This was pointed out. <laughs> this is pointed out on scene for scene commentary, scene yes. by scene commentary by Chucky himself. <laughs> Brad Dourif in character was Chucky talking about all the good times he had killing people in 2080. <laughs> and he does mention how uh, they pretty much gave away real hammers <laughs> kids' place give away my uh, secret. I, I just thought it was really funny. Well, that was though. my original idea. I didn't tell him I've done research. <laughs> yes, um, iconic death scene. Yeah. She falls out a window. Um, I always felt like Maggie was in the film a lot longer than she actually was. Yeah, she does very early This on. is only really her second scene in the film. And the first is, I think she works at the department store mm-hmm. as well. And um, Maggie watches Donovan's brain on TV. <laughs> Before a death. 
It's a film from 1953 about the brain of an evil tycoon controlling a scientist's mind. Oh, makes sense. Um, starring the Queen of Blowies herself, Nancy Reagan. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I also put here, because it's true, I love a slow motion falling out of a window death. Yeah. Um, iconic one. This is um, Friday the 13th Part 4. Mm-hmm. It's a great one. Yeah, it's been used a fair bit, but oh, I also find it quite effective. I think it also looks great. Uh, police search the apartment, and Norris considers Andy a suspect, despite Karen's protests. Um, I was a little confused. Um, so Norris, as he explains, is a homicide detective. Um, why would they call a homicide detective, like, straight away? <laughs> You know, do you know what I mean? Like, she's seemingly fallen out the window. No one's thinking, you know, foul play until the homicide detective looks around. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I mean, they're right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they ain't wrong. Uh, that is very efficient on their part. Because I, I just, I, I didn't, you know, you know what I mean. Right. It helps the story, but I found it a little funny. Uh, Andy claims that Chucky killed Maggie as his shoes match the footprints on the kitchen counter and says that Chucky told him that his real name was Charles Lee Ray. Mm. He also says Aunt Maggie was a real bitch who got what she deserved. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's... Oh, well, no, we'll get on to it when we do the differences. Um, the next morning, Chucky orders Andy to skip school and take a train downtown. While Andy is distracted... Um, Urinating in public. That's <laughs> very strange. Like, he could have been distracted by so many things. Like, I've got to pee, and he just starts <laughs> peeing against this um, old, dirty old mattress. Uh, Chucky sneaks into the home of his former accomplice, Eddie Caputo, and kills him by causing a gas explosion. Now, my mum was... My mum was pretty strict in regards to the uh, whole going to school, even when you ill you got a cold thing um but i'm pretty sure even she would have let me off if uh, <laughs> if someone close had died whilst babysitting me the previous night you know I, i'm pretty sure she would have let me off school and, and she would have had the day off work too um one thing as well that happens in a lot of films which i always find quite funny is that eddie is living in a literal dump <laughs> with rats and tins of crappy food and it's like, okay, so you've escaped going to prison so you can live like this. <laughs> no, I'm not condoning crime and going to prison. Um, but really, like, this is better than being in prison. <laughs> um, yeah, Andy is again considered a suspect and is admitted to a psychiatric hospital after claiming Chucky is the culprit. Um, one thing, I don't know if you noticed or not, but Norris asks Karen if she's gone to pick up Andy from school, even though he knows full well that Andy's in the next room. I know, room. yeah. <laughs> That's a proper dick move. Like, like, why would you ask that question? Like, wouldn't, wouldn't you have... So, obviously, she's been called. Yeah. Um, but no one's explained no. to her that Andy's at the police station. <laughs> like, I'll get her. She'll go try and pick him up from school and he's not going to be there. 
Karen returns home with Chucky and discovers batteries are still in the doll's box. Yes. The doll has been moving and speaking without them. Frightened, Karen lights her fireplace and threatens to burn Chucky, who violently comes alive in her arms and attacks her before escaping. God, that word alive is there. Speaking <laughs> of iconic scenes. Uh, speaking of making sure she gets top billing. <laughs> and speaking <laughs> of winning Best Actress at the Saturn Awards. Yes. Um, I'm sure your impression's much better than mine. So I I'm said, talk to me, goddammit, I'm going to throw you in the fire. Followed by Chucky opening the library. Like, you stupid bitch, you filthy slut. I'll teach you not to <laughs> fuck with me. God. And it's... this little ginger hair is just going everywhere. Oh, crazy. <laughs> Someone ed- edited this on YouTube and put um, Iggy Azalea, that rap she did, um, that was like ridiculously fa- fast and went viral. And they put it over the top and it works brilliantly. There's so many memes made of this. There is. The whole film as a whole, though. Yeah. My favourite, my favourite. <laughs> I don't know why, it's just so stupid. Earlier in the film, when Andy and Chucky meet for the first time, um, Andy says, um, what's he say? My name's Andy, what's yours? Something like that stupid voice he has. Um, and someone dubbed it over. Chucky said, LeBron James. I don't know why that's so funny. I wonder if I'm anyone's not even hundred percent sure who LeBron James is. He's a basketball player, isn't he? Is he? I wonder if anyone's done it with Ronnie Pickering. Ronnie Pickering. <laughs> of course they have, haven't they? I we haven't Ronnie seen Pickering. it. <laughs> um. Anyway, after that tangent, uh, Karen goes to the police and explains what happened. Norris doesn't believe her. Karen finds the man who sold her the doll and asks for more information. The man tries to assault her. But Norris arrives and stops him. Norris forces the man to admit that he took the doll from the torched toy store. Um, one thing that I didn't really like about this scene is, and it's a very sort of 80s depiction, a really horrible image of the homeless. Oh my god, late 80s and homeless people, is the representation is awful. Awful, awful. They're... You all think shame. all of them are out to assault you? Yeah, yeah, they're all there and... Um, they're giving Karen filthy looks, but they're all drinking. Mm. Uh, they're, like, peeing on each other. Like, one yeah. of them's just peeing freely next to the, you know, sleeping guy's head. And, obviously, you know, one of them attempts to rape uh, Karen, mm. and the rest gather around to watch. And it's, like, really... This is only... Isn't this, like, a year <clears throat> before Jason Takes Manhattan as well? What was the Jason takes my hand? When he, like, inject her with heroin and uh, tries to actually sell her as well. Oh, yeah, of course, yeah. Yeah. Where Jason literally saves her life. Yeah, yeah, really, um, yeah, not not a great depiction of homelessness. And, I mean, that's prevalent through the history of film, to be fair. But I find in the 80s it was particularly nasty. It was, yeah. Um, Karen, oh, excuse me. Karen again tries to convince Mike that the doll is alive, but he refuses to believe her, insisting that he killed Ray. After bringing Karen home, Norris is attacked by Chucky, and in the ensuing fight, he shoots the doll, whose wound inexplicably bleeds and causes pain. Um, Yeah, so Chucky's in the back of the car, Mm -hmm. 
tries to strangle Norris from the back seat. Um, and also tries to stab him in the ass with yes. a kitchen knife. <laughs> um, Karen then goes to Charles Lee Ray's apartment and finds several murals relating <laughs> to voodooism on the walls, including, and I kid you not, what appears to be a nude figure of Charles Lee Ray with a enormous penis. <laughs> Um, I mean, you know, yeah, uh, I don't really know what to say about no. that. Um, I, I don't think Brad Dourif would have been doing some nude modelling for the <laughs> I, I, <laughs> if If he did, then, you know, I'm surprised he can stand up straight because... <laughs> It's, like, longer than his arm. It's ridiculous. <laughs> I'd never noticed it before. No. Oh. But there we are. Uh, Norris turns up and informs Karen of Chucky's attack and admits that he now believes her, as now it's affecting him. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't believe you before, but now it's a problem for me. <laughs> I believe you, hun. In his defence, though, it is pretty far-fetched. That story. <laughs> After Chucky escapes, he visits his former voodoo instructor, John, who informs him... Voodoo instructor? Uh, this is Wikipedia, not me. Um, voodoo instructor. Who informs him that the longer his soul remains in the doll, the more human the doll will become. Chucky demands that John help him reverse the spell, but he refuses. Chucky tortures John with a voodoo doll, forcing him to reveal that in order to escape the doll's body... Chucky must transfer his soul to the first human he revealed his identity to, which would be Andy. Chucky stabs the voodoo doll in the chest, mortally wounding John, and escapes. Karen and Norris arrive shortly after, but before dying, John tells them to kill Chucky, um, to, that to kill Chucky, they must strike at his heart. Um, yeah. I just found <laughs> a little tactile. It, it did. <laughs> it was. It was maybe a little clumsy. Like this is, and we gonna attack on. The, they uh, um, lent heavily on some stereotypes as well. Yes, of course. Um, um, but like, this scene is literally just to explain the end. Of yeah. It. Chucky arrives at the psychiatric hospital where Andy is being held, and kills a doctor with an electroshock therapy device. Um, a Doctor Who I thought was Gary Busey, but it wasn't. <laughs> um, <laughs> he looks like Gary Busey, does. doesn't he? Um, yeah, more of a prison than a psychiatric hospital for children. Mm-hmm. I thought it was a little strange. But um, in the chaos, Andy escapes and flees home, but Chucky follows closely behind and knocks him out. As Chucky prepares to, uh, prepares to possess him with the voodoo chant, Karen and Norris arrive. Chucky wounds Norris before Karen and Andy manage to trap Chucky in the fireplace and set him on fire, appearing to kill him. She finally uh, went through with her she promise. She finally did it. You know, good, good for Karen. Uh, Karen and Andy leave the room to help Norris, but a charged Chucky escapes from the fireplace and chases Andy. Karen shoots Chucky repeatedly, blowing him to pieces in what is a really great effect. Mm-hmm. Um, the image of a frazzled, dismembered Chucky crawling across the floor is in, actually quite creepy. Yeah. Uh, it's been kind of 
comedic or, you know, silly up until this mm-hmm. point, really. Um, but I did find that image quite um, creepy. Uh, then Norris's partner, Jack, arrives at the apartment, initially refusing to believe the three story about the doll being alive. Chucky's body suddenly bursts through a vent to strangle Jack. Norris manages to shoot Chucky's body through the heart, finally killing him. Jack says that nobody will believe them before leaving the room with Norris, Karen and Andy. And that's it. It is. That's child's play. Yeah. Um, do you say what I like about it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. Well, one, uh, uh, what I really like about child's play, and it was very evident... As opposed to when you've watched a film a few times, it it goes quite fast, you mm-hmm. know. Um, but I thought it was actually really well paced. It is, yeah. It doesn't feel like any moment is completely wasted. Yeah. Um, it gets straight to the point. It just flows really well, um, particularly as a horror film. Um I wish maybe we'd gotten a little more character development because it just, it feels like, it feels like um, you feel the, for the characters, but because, you know, Andy's a child or because, you know, Karen's a widow, it maybe would have, do you know what I mean? Got yeah. A little more development. Yeah, I think so. Um, but at the same time, it's definitely one of those films where you can literally just put it on at any time and just, watch it. Yeah. You know. Stick it on and, you know. It's an easy viewing because it's so well paced. Yeah. I thought. Um, I think it remembers to be a horror film. Yeah. But successfully injects some humour. Um, as it always remembers that the killer doll plot is quite ridiculous. Yeah. It realises that the plot is ridiculous. And plays on that for humour. But still remembers it's a horror film. Yeah, definitely. It just didn't take itself too seriously. Which is, you know, what you need in a, a killer doll definitely. film. Yeah. <clears throat> well... Um, I thought the it's, the effects were great, particularly at the end. Um, I do think they play up Andy talking like a child. To me. We'll get they on do, to that. yeah. That's uh, but it was a bit, for me. It was a big issue. Yeah, is I understand. You know, this is a six year old kid, but he's sometimes it feels like he's talking like a three year old. They're really playing up how young yeah. he is. But it, it definitely gets in the way of the performance. Yeah, it, it can... The, it's just the voice. Really yeah. annoying. Um, and I'm quite glad that there's a big chunk in the middle that he's not sort of there. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway... But yeah, it's it's so much fun and it is iconic and it is a classic. Yeah, yeah it, it is. It is. In, in, you know, in terms of slasher comedy you know, films, mm-hmm. it, it is, I know people say the word a lot, but it is iconic, you know, yeah. it's, it stood the test of time, exactly, yeah, um, uh, yeah. what is wrong us, with me, we, we have just recorded two episodes in a row, so, um, <laughs> also like the hottest day of the year, so this, far. Uh, this brings us to Charles Play 2019, uh, which starts with multinational Kazlan Corporation, uh, who have just re- launched The Buddy, a revolutionary line of high-tech dolls designed to be lifelong companions to their owners, learning from their surroundings and acting accordingly, uh, quickly becoming a worldwide success. Well, they're not brave enough to just call it Kamazon. I know, yeah. At a Kazlan uh, assembly factory in Vietnam, 
An overworked employee is fired by a supervisor for unsatisfactory performance. In relation, he tampers with the buddy doll that he is assembling by disabling all of its safety protocols before committing suicide. The doll is packaged alongside others for its international delivery. So right off the bat, completely different uh, origin story for Chucky. One that is a lot more simple, um, which is rare with remakes. Usually they overcomplicate it. Um, but it brings it up to date, modernises it, and goes a te- technology gone wrong rather than supernatural. Yeah. Well, it's, it's, in fairness, it's... For... It's not really technology gone wrong. It's a deliberate tampering of um, technology. Yeah. And it's a disgruntled, overworked employee who was probably being paid pittance yeah. by, you know, his billionaire employers. Mm-hmm. Um, so, real, really, the main villain in this film is, you know, these big fat cats. Yeah. Um, working people to the bone for, but I mean, the guy's a villain. He probably shouldn't go around do, you know. It's like, well, who is he actually getting back at? Yeah. <laughs> you know, but um, yeah, and it, it's a theme throughout the whole film, yeah. isn't it? In Chicago, widowed uh, retail clerk Karen Barkley introduced at work where she yelled at by an angry customer because he got a ginger buddy rather than a blonde one. Uh, and her 12-year-old hearing-impaired son, Andy, uh, moved into a new apartment. So, yeah, he's going to be 12 in this. Oh, is he? Oh, okay, yeah. 12. Uh, in an attempt to cheer Andy up for the relocation and the presence of her new boyfriend, Shane, Karen blackmails her boss uh, in order to procure a buddy doll, giving it to Andy as an early birthday gift. It is, of course, the defective model. Once activated, Andy attempts to name him Han Solo, but the doll names himself Chucky and becomes attached to Andy. Over time, Chucky helps him to befriend two other children, Phelan and Pug. Fallon? It's Fallon, wasn't it? Fallon, yeah. Um, But also begins to display violent tendencies. He tries to strangle the Barclays pet cat, Mickey Rooney. (laughs) (laughs) Star of the podcast, Mickey Rooney. (laughs) After it scratches Andy, and while he and his friends gleefully watch Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2, uh, Chucky starts mimicking the violence, approaching a trio with a kitchen knife before Andy disarms him. Yeah, Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2 in a really weird order. Yeah, completely. (laughs) I don't know who edited that, but um, yeah, not. (laughs) Yeah, I find that quite funny. Um, When Andy arrives home the next morning, he finds his cat is dead. Poor Mickey Rooney. Chucky admits to having killed it so that it would not hurt Andy again. Karen locks a doll in a closet, but he escapes and terrorises Shane, which leads him to confront Andy. Do you think the cat was called Mickey Rooney as a reference to Mickey Rooney's performance as the toy maker? I really hope so. Because <laughs> that was the toys gone wrong, wasn't it? It was. Yeah? It was. There we go. Imagine. <laughs> what a reference. <laughs> Niche, isn't it? Misunderstanding Andy's pleas for Shane to disappear, Chucky follows him to his home where it's revealed that he is married with children <gasps> and is having an affair with Karen behind his wife's back. Bastard. While Shane is outside taking down Christmas lights, Chucky breaks his legs and activates a cultivator uh, that scalps and kills him. The scalp flies off and lands on a gnome, and Chucky tells him this is for Tupac. Yeah, 
Oh, that's in reference to the kids earlier trying to teach Chucky. Yeah. Um, violent acts, and one of them says, "What you have to say is this is for Tupac." Yeah. Um. Yeah. He also has a thing for saying "heads up, bitch" as well from Texas Chainsaw Massacre too. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the following day, Chucky delivers Shane's skinned face on a watermelon with a bow attached to it as a gift to a horrified Andy. Andy wraps it up in birthday wrapping paper. Karen asks what it is and he lies, saying it's a gift for police detective Mike Norris's mother, Doreen, for helping him with his homework. But Karen makes him give the uh, head to her, but he tells her not to open it until his birthday so they can open their gifts together. Um, yeah. Really great comedic moment thrown in. Uh, so stupid, so silly, but it's so funny. Yeah, yeah. Um, love Doreen. Yes. Uh, when Norris begins an investigation, Andy, uh, Fallon, and Pug disable Chucky and throw him into the garbage. Voyeur electrician Gabe, who looks an awful lot like Jack Black, but isn't Jack Black, uh, finds and fixes the doll to sell him in an online sale. Andy manages to get rid of Shane's face whilst having dinner with Norris and Doreen. He runs out of it when no one's looking and throws it into the garbage. Now fully functional, Chucky... And no one mentions and no the one mentions it again. again. No. <laughs> now fully functional, Chucky tortures Gabe with a knife, including a stab to the dick, and uses a table saw to kill him. Uh, in a really brutal way. Yeah, so this... This is the beginnings of the idea that everything is controlled by Chucky and in turn yeah. controlled by Kazlan. Mm-hmm. Um, so even the table saw yeah. is Kazlan and Chucky can control. Um, yeah, I think they're trying to say something there. I think so. <laughs> Making his way back to the apartment, Chucky lands in possession of another child, Omar, who calls him Chode, and proceeds to kill Doreen in a controlled car crash on her way to bingo. Really, really mean-spirited. It really, <laughs> I, yeah, I love Doreen, and um, yeah, that, was, that was a tough one to watch. <laughs> Meanwhile, Andy fails to... for? <laughs> Your reaction... <laughs> Andy fails to convince Karen that the doll has become murderous and she takes him along to work uh, to, at, the local, at, the, 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 at the local shopping mall to keep him nearby. Uh, suspecting that Andy is responsible for the murders after he finds... Uh, <laughs> straight after he finds out his mother's died, he's given pictures of the uh, head in the birthday wrapping paper. Uh, so he thinks Andy... Yeah, and Norris uh, thinks... His colleague is like, oh, finally I found you. <laughs> like... Um, his mum just died? Why are you shouting at him? Yeah, suspecting that Andy's responsible, Norris travels to the mall and arrests him just as Chucky takes full control of the building, starting with a stab to the neck of a guy in a buddy costume, resulting in a hilarious blood spurt on a child's face. Yeah, it's 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 an oldie but a goodie. The uh, screaming child. <laughs> I shouldn't, I shouldn't laugh. That's bad. <laughs> no, it's funny. Yeah. Yeah. Chaos is unleashed as several employees and customers are brutally killed by rampaging buddy dolls, while Chucky triggers the mall's lockdown sequence. Norris is wounded amongst the massacre, and Andy and his friends manage to escape. However, Andy is forced to return when Chucky reveals that he is holding Karen hostage. 
Andy travels to the mall's storage and saves his mother as the doll attacks him. He overpowers Chucky and stabs him in his power cell before Norris shoots the doll down and Karen beheads him. As the police and paramedics tend to Karen, Norris and other survivors outside the mall, Andy and his friends burn Chucky's body in a nearby alleyway. In the aftermath of Chucky's killing spree, Kazlan CEO Henry Kazlan issues a statement regarding the faulty programming and announces a massive Buddy Dolls recall. As one of the dolls is being placed into storage, his eyes flicker and his eyes flicker red and smiles, revealing that Chucky transferred his self awareness into a new body. Yes, I um, like how Kazlan guy says that Kazlan shares no responsibility <laughs> in the uh, horrific. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. One of the better remakes. I've lost my words <laughs> today. I need a dictionary next to me. I've lost them. This is definitely up there as as one of the best remakes for me. Um, it just does everything it needs to do. I really. It, it, I think if this film, if the killer wasn't called Chucky, if it didn't have that design, I think people would have loved this a lot more. If the whole thing wasn't going on with Don Mancini, you know, because this is just a really fun modern slasher film. Yeah, it is. It doesn't really push the boat out too far. It doesn't do anything that's completely new. Um, but I like how it, looked at it from a, a modern perspective and brought a lot of sort of the modern world into it um and it said something about you know big businesses um our reliance on technology and such it didn't i don't feel like it dealt with it fully but i liked the direction they came from in telling really the same story as the original film yeah yeah and bringing in the other variations of uh, Chucky as well with the bear and the blonde one yeah and one in a leprechaun costume as well in the background of one scene it's just and then bringing in Andy's friends as well I found had a big difference and having Andy as a little older um yeah no I think it's really good yeah no yeah no I really enjoyed it and it, it is like like the original, it goes at a good pace yeah. as well. It doesn't feel like there's a lot of wasted time. Um, you know, and some fun, gory kills. Always welcome in a um, sort of... I would describe this as a horror comedy as well. Yeah, yeah definitely. Really? Well, getting into cinematography, scares, kills and soundtrack. We have 1988. Um... The cinematography, I found, had a bit of a hazy filter to it at some points, which I really like. It's obviously, you know, there's something that Carrie does the best. Um, but I noticed that in a few scenes, which I've never really noticed before now. Oh, I don't remember that. Yeah, there's a few scenes. Like, I'm during the daytime, where there's a mm. bit of a haze to it, and it looks really good. Um, I think the cinematography, when we're seeing through Chucky's eyes, is great. Um... Yeah, no, I think it's a really good-looking film. Yeah, I think it ultimately keeps it fairly simple. It does, yeah. Because it, it's not necessary, you know, to go too overboard. It's a simple premise, executed simply. Yeah. Uh, there's still uh, there's a lot of intense scenes. Uh, the Karen discovering Chucky is a live scene, which never gets old. Um, you know, the entire third act is so intense. 
Uh, there's not a lot of kills, really, but Maggie's death and the voodoo dog kill are both amazing. Um, Maggie's death specifically, you know, it's like we said, there's many films that did the whole slow-mo, falling out of a window thing, uh, but this definitely did it the best. Yeah, absolutely, and it didn't look fake. No. Either. It didn't look like a stunt woman in a wig, actually. No. And as far as the soundtrack goes, um, I think that's a big part of why it's so intense during some scenes. They have that sort of like childlike sound. I don't know how to describe it, but the, the score is great. It really, really works. Yeah, I like the score. I don't, I don't remember it too well, though, for either films, actually, to be oh. honest. Um, I don't know why. They're not too dissimilar. Um, Yeah, the score is also great in 2019. Um, There's a few moments that stand out more than others I've found. Um, Cinematography I thought was really good, especially during the third act, uh, during the supermarket scene. Not the supermarket, the shop, shopping or whatever. Um, Yeah, I don't know what it's meant to be. Whatever that store is. Um, Yeah, during that scene, I thought the cinematography was really good. Especially, one thing this benefits from is Chucky's light-up eyes as well. Um, during some of the darker scenes, that looks really creepy. Yeah, it, it does suffer at times with the... I can't see what's going on. Really? Um, the a daughter is deaf. Oh. I thought that was quite dark. Yeah, I think if that was any lighter, it probably would have gone to an 18. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. Um, yeah, the, the whole, the whole technology thing adds to, you know, why this one's slightly more intense. We, we live in a world where, um, technology is a big part of everything. And whilst this film is so ridiculously stupid, it, it, bringing in something so close to home like that, you know, it still adds that, that fun feeling of being scared. Because it's like, oh shit, you know, everything's controlled by our Apple home or whatever the fuck it's called. Yeah, it's. The original, the premise is rather far-fetched, really. Um, Whereas in the remake, it's far-fetched, but it's not that far removed from reality and what could potentially happen. Um, Are we comparing Chucky's? Yeah. Yeah. When we get to comparing Chucky's, uh, I'll have a little more to say about that. And the kills are just incredible uh, in this one. Uh, as, as iconic as the Falling Out the Window one is in the original, the kills this time around are just so balls to the wall, gory and violent. It's just everything you could want from a slasher film. They're, they're very, I found the very 80s in style of how over the top they go. Yeah, and I don't think it's a coincidence that Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2 was the film that was decided to show on TV that over the top ridiculous sort of death scenes yeah what are we gonna give each of these to i want to specifically i want to give the kills to the remake mm. uh everything else probably the original he's drag <laughs> sorry they're just uh and they killed doreen i know yeah <laughs> in an inventive way <laughs> yeah that is true actually Yes. Uh, yeah, I, I've got to say Kills, a remake, but I think Kills, original? I think so, yeah. Um, so, characters, we have Karen, played by Catherine Hicks in 1988, 
and Aubrey Plaza in 2019. Both queens, uh, both strong female characters. Uh, both kind of leave, leave their sons for yeah, devices. Yeah, that's true. Um, um, yeah. I suppose Karen in the remake, uh, I mean Andy in the remake's a little older. So yeah. I do trust him to make his own toast. Yeah. He's there making his own lunch for school while she's just in the background <laughs> on a phone. He has to he has to comfort her a lot he as does, well yeah. when she's like on the floor drinking a glass of wine. Yeah, Aubrey Plaza plays a very Aubrey Plaza character, uh, which is obviously a good thing. Yes, um, love Aubrey Plaza. Yeah, that dead that deadpan. Yeah, not everyone can do it. A lot of people think they can, mm-hmm. uh, but not a lot of people can do it. And she always brings an essence of that. She does to every role, and yeah. and I think that's because that's probably what she's like in real life. Yeah, um, and she does it so well that I could watch it over and over and over again. Yeah, um, but she does have. I think she gets a little more development. She does obviously than the original film. Um, because of the whole being cheated on thing. And I, I do think they play up her relationship with Andy a lot more. Yeah. Um, so I, I think she's probably more well-rounded of the two. Mm. But I, I think at the end, she was a slave queen at the end, right at the end. Mm-hmm. But I do think Catherine Hicks, uh, the, the Karen in the, the, the Karen... Her uh, Karen in the original, um, is probably more of a slave queen. Yeah, I was gonna say because she takes matters into her own hands. Yeah, and plus, she does the investigation that Andy does yeah, in the remake. It's true. It's true. And Catherine Hicks, she acts like she, she doesn't care that this is just a slasher film yeah. made on nine million dollars. She is there to act. Yeah, and she, she does really great... does such a fantastic job. Um, and of course, you know, she had the, uh, our Freya into the fire scene, so... Which is iconic. It's a difficult one. I mean, with all due respect to, you know, Aubrey Plaza, who I love, I would probably have to give it to Catherine Hicks. Yeah, I think so. Just, just because she is the heart of the film. Yeah. And, uh, and it's probably because Andy's so young. You can't have Andy, six-year-old, going and investigating... Big dick murals or whatever, yeah. um, and putting himself into that kind of danger, but um, she just take matters into her own hands, yeah, which I love. Uh, Andy, played by Alex Vincent in nineteen eighty eight, and still to this very day, <laughs> yeah. And uh, Gabriel Bateman in twenty nineteen. I I kind of feel like this is just an easy one, but the explanation as to why it is needed. I mean. People love Alex Vincent in this role. Uh, everyone thinks he's really cute and adorable. He's fucking annoying. He's trying to go for cute, and that's the problem. He's trying to be cute. He's trying to be young. He's trying to like, oh, I'm a six-year-old. I'm, I'm going to talk like an idiot. Um, but it, it just comes across as bad acting. It, it, yeah, because there are a couple of moments where I, I think his real voice comes out as yeah. well, um, which is weird compared to the rest of the film where he's I mean he's talking like a baby yeah and it's genuinely really annoying yeah 
Um, and I feel harsh saying that about a child actor. But genuinely, it's so irritating yes. the way he talks. Um, I think... I think the di- the main difference between them character-wise is the fact that Andy in the original is six years old. Yeah. Um, I don't think we would get a six-year-old these days in a film like that. No. I, I just... I, I, it's... You know, I just don't think they would do that now. So what you get is a 13-year-old who acts much older, who's swearing, and, you, you know, he's, um, well, swearing, basically. Yeah, is the well, main you mean, one. he's also got, he, you know, he's also got experience behind him. He was also in Lights Out and uh, a lot of other stuff. As an actor, yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I, I think he was 15 Yeah, uh, as an actor. Um, I, I, I don't know what the, the rules are for how, you know, how long um, child actors can work because like mm. back back in the day you know it used to be older playing younger because yeah. you know once they turned a certain age they could work past a certain time of night yeah you know which is why you get ridiculous sort of 30 year olds in greece and shit like yeah that. i think as well with the character of andy in 2019 is just way more interesting as well um, like, I mean, I like the fact that he's a disabled character in the lead role. It's a nice touch. Um, you know, he's lonely, sad, but he's likable. He, one thing I really liked is the fact that he acknowledged the fact that the buddy doll is probably aimed at a younger age range when he's given it. Because prior to watching the film, I was like, how the hell are they going to make this work? He's it nearly a teenager and they're giving him a fucking doll to play with. But no, it makes sense in the context of the film. Yeah. Yeah, he's much more well-rounded. Yeah. Um, he's lonely. Um, he's a bit angsty. Yeah. You know, I don't. He probably hasn't fully dealt with the death of his father. Moving to a new place, he's struggling to make friends. Um, I did. I did feel like the friendship was a bit forced at times. Mm-hmm. Um, it was kind of like, yeah, we're gonna help you get rid of this guy's face on a watermelon, even though we've only had, like, two scenes together yeah. in, in the film-wise. Um, but it, it, was, it was nice to have the, the central character of the film, Andy, be quite well-rounded. Yeah. And interesting as well. He was an interesting character. Yeah, I because think... Because of the, the sort of emphasis on his, his loneliness. And yeah. Again, you know, the Chucky doll being a little childish, but also being, you know, probably his only companion it's true. <laughs> at some points of the film. Yeah. Um. I mean, I think the thing with his friends as well, it kind of makes it, uh, gives a sort of Amblin films feeling to it. Um, there's a lot of E.T. references here, uh, particularly with Chucky's little finger and uh, Andy's red hoodie that he wears every now and then, uh, which is always good. I mean... Let's not forget, this was released like a year or two after the latest It, uh, Chapter 1. So, very much, I think this was right enough the back of that. I believe the producers are the same producers. I um, see. So, and obviously Stranger Things as well. 
So I think bringing in that oh, friendship. Oh, come you know. on. Yeah, Stranger Things, yeah. But uh, overall, yeah, absolutely Gabriel Bateman is the winner. Yeah, and he does a good performance, he actually. Does. He, he does. does. Next up, we have Mike, played by Chris Sarandon in 1988, and Brian Tyree Henry in 2019. Um, yeah, I mean, Chris Sarandon's a fine actor. He is. Um, the most interesting character. I liked his chemistry with uh, Catherine Hicks. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm quite glad they didn't force a romantic moment in there. But I did, yeah. get, I did get a little... The chemistry was there. It was interesting. Yeah. I think if we'd got them back for the sequel, we probably would have seen them in some sort of relationship. Yeah, it's nice that uh, Chris Arandon got to play a completely different character... In this Tom Holland film to his other Tom Holland film. Yeah. Just, if I'm being honest, just the least interesting character. Well, <laughs> he, yeah. well he's just a cop, isn't it? You know, that's his only real trait. Yeah. Cop. Uh, Brian Tyree Henry, another great actor. Um, a great comedic actor as well. Yeah. It was, it was um, I think he was definitely the, the comedic heart of the film. Yeah. Um, and he, he did it really well, you know. Um, I'm assuming he's. Uh, forgive me. I, I I'm not familiar with his filmography, but I'm assuming he might be best known as a comedy actor. Yeah, I mean, you you do know what his arguably probably his most uh, popu- popular role is, don't you? No. Do you not? No. I, I if I knew, I would have told you. Oh. Well. Okay. <laughs> Um, he is, of course, uh, let me get the name for you. Hey, if you don't know, I don't know. If you have to search it. Uh, he is Jefferson Davis in Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Oh, I see. Fabulous. Really? <laughs> well, how am I meant to? It's an animated film. Yes, but his voice acting is a big part of it. It's one of the <laughs> roles he's most popular for. Definitely. He's, he's his dad. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Okay. I didn't put two and two together, sorry. Anyway, yes. I mean, the point I'm trying to make is uh, that he's a great actor and I've enjoyed him in everything I've seen him in. Uh, in modern films, uh, and I just think the I I do think the character was just more. I don't know. It's just it was nice to have someone funny. Yeah, and then the, he had his um relationship with his mother as well, which was interesting. It just it was a a different dimension that yeah. the uh, Chris Sarandon character didn't have. Yeah. Because it was it was literally a, he is a cop, so I I enjoyed that the original just got straight to it. But this is one of the characters I wish had been fleshed out. Yeah. More. Yeah. So I think it goes without saying we're giving it to the remake. Yes. And the one we've all been waiting for, the main comparison itself, Chucky. Who is Brad Dourif in nineteen eighty eight and Mark Hamill in twenty nineteen. Um, yeah. Brad Dourif obviously, you know, synonymous with the role. Yeah. Of Chucky, um, when the remake was happening, it would it would be like Freddy Krueger without Robert England. Like, well, we've seen how that turned out. So at least it's turned out better than that. Exactly. Um, 
people up in arms. Yeah. Mark Hamill got on board. Us two, we were like, oh, okay, I'm intrigued. And he does a great job. He does. He does a very good job. He does. I think he's the creepier of the two. That is um, that is very true. The design is horrifying of this new doll. It's so ugly. It's so, so ugly. You want to punch its little face. It's yeah. not cute. It's no. fucking terrifying. Uh, and his stupid song is really unsettling when he's singing it. Because it's actually Mark Hamill singing it as well. Um, yeah, he, he really does such a great job with the role. Um yeah, I I thought he was great. The, I feel like they're going for two different kinds of performances. Yes. Whereas Brad Dourif's Chucky is the one-liner, comedic, more comedic yeah. um, of the two. I think Mark Hamill was probably instructed to be um, creepier. Yeah. More, so, so sort of... Um, I, I don't know what the word sickly sweet yeah in his delivery that it becomes creepy yeah uh, whereas Brad Dourif obviously is, is playing a serial killer trapped in a doll's body yeah um, and performs it that way and, and I, I do prefer that I do prefer that Chucky mm-hmm. because it, you know um, that's the one we're all familiar with, and yeah. it works. It definitely works. It, it's iconic, and every time he speaks, it's fucking so entertaining. You just can't, you can't have a love it. I mean, he, he just, you know, he's no problem reading everyone to filth. He, he, yeah, he's just so entertaining in that role, and you know, even when it's not necessarily scary. You just want to watch him. You just want to watch Brad Dourif voice in Chucky. And I, I think it's one of the aspects of the series that actually gets better as it goes along. Yeah, yeah. I mean, by Bride of Chucky, is in his element. Yeah. And it really works. Um, I did actually really like the direction they went with in the characterization of Chucky, though, in the yes. remake. I liked the idea that Chucky wasn't inherently evil mm-hmm. like Chucky was in yeah. the original. And the idea is that um, how I interpreted it is that uh, the violence is learnt behaviour. Yeah. And it kind of plays with the idea that, you know, how does the modern world affect someone who has no filters or morals mm. has didn't have a, a filter or a moral compass yeah because it it, it was taken away mm-hmm. when he was created yeah um so a lot of his behavior although shocking is a reflection of behavior that he's been taught and he's seen mm-hmm. um i found that really interesting i don't think they fully go there mm-hmm. i think they could have maybe did that a little more i think like I think that's, to me, so interesting. They could have made the film about that yeah. idea. Um, but I, I, I liked that they went for a different take on it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, but Brad Dourif, uh, you know, of course, is the winner. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Mark Hamill was. Yeah, yeah. Um, which gives, out of uh, the scoring of our categories... That gives the remake three uh, horror culture shiver points. 
And the original five. So the original oh, is the winner. Fairly close, but very I close. agree with the winner. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, but well done to both teams. Yeah, so absolutely one where we can recommend both of these films. Um, yeah, I, w- I, I genuinely would recommend both. I mean, you, there's a very good chance you've already seen the original anyway. Um, but, you know, as far as the remake goes, don't believe all the negative stuff. You know, there's something, there's some fun to be had there. I, I don't believe you could watch that film and be bored. No, I don't think so. I mean, it, is it doing something that's completely new and completely fresh? No. Uh, was I entertained? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yes, so check them out out and that brings us to our best and worst new releases of the month this month we have no honorable mentions uh just get that out of the way now um it's been a quiet month for us watching films um that weren't part of festivals yes that we discussed in our glasgow film festival um episode yeah yeah absolutely so um yeah, Even though there were standouts, go and we've check, already discussed them. Yeah, so go and check that episode out. out. Please. Um, best of the month, I have a tie <gasps> dun, dun, dun. between The Batman and X. I also have a tie between The Batman and X. I mean, The Batman, you know kind of we were kind of open to the idea of that film i know you weren't as optimistic as i was prior to watching it um but i had read the comics i'd really hyped myself up for it and it exceeded expectations yeah i just i don't think i was expecting it to be awful um but i kind of got to the point where i just didn't really care mm. and i thought it is what it is whatever we'll go watch it i'm not expecting you know a masterpiece um and oh my god i was really pleasantly surprised what a great film yeah it's fucking long as fuck though (laughs) it kept me entertained throughout yeah the thing is it's um yeah it it doesn't really waste any time i find it because it's it's a detective thriller and it borders on horror in some places as well it does what you know what joker did it picks a film or a selection of films that it's influenced by, and it plays off that, and takes the concept that already exists, and just something refreshing with it. Um, obviously, in this case, it's very much seven. Um, yeah, and and it works with it, and it it works really well. It's exactly what we needed from a Batman film. It's as dark as it needs to be, uh, but also with cam value from Zoe Kravitz. Yeah, she does give some. She's a proper sleigh queen. She really gives some camp value to it, which. Batman needs. I always feel like Batman needs a bit of camp. um, Because... I feel like the history of Batman is quite camp. Obviously, I'm talking about Adam West. Mm. Um, But, you know, Joker, in any any performance of the Joker, is camp as fuck. Yeah. You know? And I just... I feel like Batman needs that. And it was there. And I genuinely thought... The Riddler was really, really creepy. Yeah. And X, um, speaking oh. of taking a selection of films and doing your own thing with it, um, that's exactly what X does. But one half uh, 70s porno films and another half 
seventies horror films. Just so much fun. What a, a, at heart, it's a, a ridiculous film. Yeah. Um, but it's executed so well that it 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 just entertained me so much. Yeah. Um, Britney Snow was incredible in that film. She really was. Yeah, she showed up. It's, she gave Blanche Devereaux. She um, gave a bit of Blanche Devereaux. She gave some Linda Lovelace. <laughs> she sang us a song. Yeah. Um, completely out of nowhere. And I was I was just thoroughly, thoroughly entertained. Mm-hmm. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't trying to say any anything about anything. It was just like, do you know what? I'm going to entertain you for the best part of two hours. Yeah. And it did it. Yeah, absolutely. Ty West has officially made his best film. It's Great. And, and, and at heart, a comedy. Yeah. But also quite scary in parts. Yeah. Absolutely. Go and see it. It is out in cinemas now. Do not watch A Cloud So High, which is our worst of the month. Worst, probably going to be worst of the year um, on our end of year episode. I'll be surprised if it isn't. One of the worst films I've ever seen. Uh, you know, we discussed the good side of Fright Fest on our Glasgow Film Festival episode. Uh, you've, if you've listened to our episodes before, you know there's always going to be a bad film at Fright Fest or two. Uh, this was fucking bad. It was painful. <laughs> It was, it was, I, I don't even know how to describe it. It was a mess. It was an absolute mess. And the thing is, the director came out and, you, you know, he looked so proud of it and everything. Uh, usually, I, you know, I don't really like slating uh, indie films to a certain extent. Um, but fucking hell, there's no way he didn't know this was a piece of shit. He, it's very, you know, using mental health as an excuse for someone being a serial killer and... Uh, wanted to dress up as a woman uh, uh the film ends on a homophobic slur and absolutely no one at fright fest clapped and we have seen a fright fest audience we've seen them clap some shit before but even they were like no draw a line here the thing is i mean sometimes especially with the director that you feel compelled to clap mm. at the you know at the end of a film at a, at a film festival um but this at I don't know if people was struggling to digest it. That's why they didn't clap more. They probably just, they just hated it. Um, incoherent. Um, really cheap. Mm. In it, you know. Um, I had no idea what it was trying to do. It was quite offensive because it um, really depicted stuff like PTSD. Mm. Um in a really, well, I suppose negative light, but in, in a kind of stereotypical, didn't really, it, it did the thing that I hate. Um, and I sound like a broken record sometimes because I, I say this about a lot of films. But it mentioned it, yeah. but I didn't fucking deal with it. Uh-huh. Um, and it, 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 parts of it really came across as offensive. Like, at one point, he is dressed as a, as a woman, mm. but it's not really addressed in the film. Yeah. It's not really no. dealt with. No, it's not. Which it's like, not. Wouldn't, wouldn't this be weird if he was just dressed as a woman? Mm. You, know, aren't, you know, aren't people dressed as women really weird? Mm. Like, 
Yeah, John Savage is in it, and he is identical to Neil Breen. Um, his performance was the best thing about the film for me because that's the only entertaining thing. Like every time he popped up on the screen, he'd say something really stupid, but he'd really half house it. Um, and that kept me laughing, but other than that, if anyone could get this film and cut it down to just John Savage's scene and send it to me, that'd be wonderful. Thank you. Um, but yeah, yeah. it's fucking dog shit. It, it, it's really dire, really dire. It, and it's so bad. I, I'm really struggling to describe like what style it has. Was it going for like Inland Empire style? I don't know what it was trying to do. Uh, the editing was atrocious. I yeah yeah no. Let's... Avoid at all costs. Yeah. And that is this movie's original versus remake. How can you avoid something that's probably not going to get released? Hopefully not. Uh, that is this movie's original versus remake episode. Uh, we gave socials out at the start of the episode for our socials individually. I'm Dead at Gaz92 on Letterboxd, Gazmo205 on Instagram, and GazCruz92 on Twitter. I am ChrisBarker823 on Instagram and Letterboxd. Uh, give us a rate, review, subscribe on iTunes, like a follow on everything else, and a rating on Spotify. Tuesday, we are back with an American Werewolf in Paris. Ooh. Why do I feel like I've said that like a thousand fucking times You've now? You've said it a fair like, few times. If, if anyone doesn't know then that we, we've covered an American Werewolf in Paris, then they're just not paying attention. Um, next month, Original vs. Remake, we will be completing the William Castle trilogy of remakes. I know. With 13 ghosts. Well, we're completing the surprisingly decent... Um, William Castle remake trilogy. Were you serious? Oh, I, I missed saw one. what you did. Oh, oh that was <laughs> iffy, wasn't it? Oh. Uh, yeah, I love the 13 Ghosts remake, and the original 13 Ghosts is one of my favourite films, so that should be great. Oh, we've made it easy for ourselves again. Um, <laughs> then again, it's been a long time since I've watched the remake. Let's Let's see if it holds up. Uh, and last episode, I mentioned we were doing Voyager Rock Aliens uh, with Life's Better Song podcast. We've been informed uh, May the 2nd that episode will be released. And we've literally just finished recording it. Yes. Because, you know, we work hard and we never stop talking. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Apparently. <laughs> um, we will see you on Tuesday. Bye. Bye.